Hello, I want to welcome you to the Point Church Alberta Campus Sunday Preaching Podcast. My name is Josh Heisler and I'm the Alberta Campus Pastor. We strongly believe in the expositional preaching of God's Word, which works to build our faith and grow us up in Christ. Our prayer is that this message will be a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join us as we get to the point. Take your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And we'll get there in just a, a minute or so. Have you guys ever loved something so much that it consumed your every thought? When I fell in love with my wife, my senior year of college, I had successfully turned my four years of college into five. <laughs> and I was sitting through the second time of taking corporate finance. I was sitting through the second time of taking Revelation. I was sitting through probably another class that I had to take a second time. <laughs> um, as I was sitting there, and my wife and I, we had met at Pensacola Christian College. A mutual friend introduced us, and we would write notes back and forth one to another. And the first note, uh, the first thing she ever gave me was a piece of trash. Um, and the and so you know we started exchanging things and I wrote her a poem, and the poem that I wrote went like this: "Is roses are red, violets are blue. Walt Disney had Goofy, your mother had you." And um, so that's that's how I started. That's how we started our relationship. And you know, as you fall in love with somebody, you have consuming thoughts about them. And my time, my fifth year in college, uh, I spent a lot of time thinking about my wife, probably than I, than I did on my studies. But I couldn't get her out of my head. If we look at 1 Thessalonians, we see that Paul had some consuming thoughts about the church at Thessal Thessalonica. I want you to look here in 1 Thessalonians 3, verse number 1. Actually, let's turn back here a little bit. Um, I want you to see something in, in chapter 2. So go back to chapter 2, verse 17, and we'll get to uh, chapter 3, verse 1 in just a second. Chapter 2, 17 says, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope? or joy, or crown of boasting before the Lord at his coming. Is it not you? For you are our joy and glory. Verse number, or chapter 3, verse 1 says, Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. We sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith. That no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly, and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. 
Now, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Let us pray. Lord, I ask you to just be with us now as we come to your word. Call my heart. Get, uh, let your word speak through me. Lord, I ask that you would just uh, be with each and every soul here today. Help them to be receptive to your word. Lord, let us do everything today here for your honor and your glory. We pray these things in your most holy name. Amen. As we look through 1 Thessalonians, we see that Paul had consuming thoughts, and those consuming thoughts turned to an immediate action. Look in verse number one here. Let's look back there at verse number one. It says, therefore, when we could bear it no longer, some translations said we couldn't stand it any longer. We were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith. Paul's thoughts of this church compelled him to send Timothy to find out what was going on. He desperately wanted to be with this church during the times of trial. In fact, again and again, he pressed the issue. When we were reading chapter 2, verse number 17 and following, it said he tried again and again to get to that church, but Satan had hindered him. Paul just wanted to do one thing. That church that he loved so much, he wanted to teach, he wanted to preach, he wanted to tell them all about Jesus. Even though he was away from them physically, the church was near and dear to his heart. Chapter 2, verse uh, 6 says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. Paul loved this church here at Thessalonica. Sometimes we love something so much that it hurts us to be away from it. It hurts when we can't be near or associate with family sometimes if we're away from them. I remember uh, I was deployed to, to Syria back in 2018, and it was the longest 10 months of my life to be without my family, to know that they were off and they were doing their things, and uh, every day I was thinking about them. I wanted to do something to, to communicate with them again. I longed to be with them because they were so, they're so near and dear to me. COVID has really done a number on people this year, hasn't it? I think of a story I read the other day, a Palestinian man, he, he climbed the wall of the hospital two stories just so he could be near his mom who was dying of COVID. When we love something so much, we're often spurned to an action so that we can do something about it, so we can quell our longing. Maybe if we're missing family, we'll call them. We'll do Zoom or FaceTime or whatever technology allows. Isn't it great that we have this technology nowadays? I mean, think about it. Back in the, you know, even, you know, 40, 50 years ago, it, it was letter writing is how you communicated if you were far apart. But now we have such things that, that bring us together. We'll write letters, notes, Zoom calls, FaceTime. We want to do something to rectify the situation. Just as Paul had consuming thoughts of the church at Thessalonica, and it spurned him to find out what was going on. Christian, I encourage you, let your consuming thoughts be those of Jesus Christ. 
Let those thoughts be of his word and let that, those thoughts spurn you to action so that you can give out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's consuming thoughts turned to an immediate action. Number two, Paul's immediate action left him open to affliction. Look there in verse number three of 1 Thessalonians. Verse number three, scripture says that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourself know that we're destined for this. Paul understood that they were going to be afflicted. And verse number four says, for when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. When we think of the persecution of the, of, of the church, we often think of that Roman persecution. We think of Nero and Domitian, Diocletian, and all those 10 Roman emperors that led the, the great persecution of the church. But in this early period of church history, uh, those Roman empire, emperors were still probably four, five, six years off. But during this early time, it was the Jews that were persecuting the church. Uh, you, you read about it in uh, the story of Stephen. It was the Jewish Sadducees tried Stephen, and then they stoned him. Why were the Jews so upset? They were upset because they wanted these Christians to first become Jews, and Paul wasn't preaching that gospel. Theologian Abert says, the Jews' opposition to the work of the missionaries among the Gentiles was not due to the fact that they were seeking to win the Gentiles, the Jews themselves were vigorously engaged in this period of their history and actively proselytizing the Gentiles. Their fierce opposition was due to the fact that Christian missionaries offered salvation to Gentiles without demanding that they first become Jews. Paul suffered affliction in his early ministry and throughout his ministry. You know, there's some people out there that that think that Christians don't ever need to suffer affliction. I think we learn so much by affliction. It's true, there's a great deal of suffering we could avoid if we would just listen to God's word and maybe obey him and maybe make some good choices. But nevertheless, God does want us to... to nevertheless, God does teach us that the believer's perseverance, obedience how to comfort others, deeper, deeper fellowship with Jesus. We can all learn those things through trials. How many times have you had a, an affliction come in your life and you realize what you've learned from it on the other side? You say, wow, I have just learned so much. Maybe you've suffered something in your life and it helps you become a comfort to those around you. There is so much that can be learned from affliction in your life. Have you ever stopped to think about how often those loves in your life can cause affliction? Maybe some of you are here today and your children might be a cause of, of conflict or affliction in your life. Maybe it's a, a child that's hurt by a parent. Co close friendships can cause affliction in your life. Hobbies can cause affliction between husbands and wives. You know, maybe that husband's going out, he just spent $2,000 on a brand new uh, gun for, for hunting or however much. And uh, not that I've ever done that. But sometimes your loves in your life can cause conflict and affliction. I'm the fire chief of, of Lillian Fire over there, and I won't tell you how many times 
that love for the fire department has caused affliction and conflict in the lives of, of me and my wife. There's been times that she's had something planned and we're ready to go do something. And I say, hey, I got a call. I got to do this. Or, hey, I'll be, I'll be home. She's like, I'm ready to go. And I say, I'll be home in five minutes. And two hours later, I finally make it home. <laughs> Sometimes the loves that we have in our life can cause conflict. And we see that it's no different here for, for Paul. He, his love for the gospel of Jesus Christ caused conflict in his life. Paul had an unashamed love of the gospel. He'd been persecuted and suffered just to bring the word to the people of, of Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians 2.2 says, Though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we have boldness in God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. When we fast forward through Paul's life, we see that he suffered because of the gospel and his love of the gospel. He suffered conflict again and again and again. He was shipwrecked. He was in prison. He was beaten. He was tortured. He was cast out of the city. Paul's love for furthering the work of the kingdom of Jesus Christ brought him conflict again and again. My friend, your love for the gospel may not always be rainbows and kittens. Sometimes it can cause conflict. Maybe as you're sharing your personal testimony at work, it causes conflict with some of your coworkers. Maybe as you are, uh, you know, uh, be, being a good testimony and making those those godly decisions, you're saying, "Hey, I'm not going to partake in something." You may lose friends. Your love for the gospel can cause conflict in your life. Number three, Paul's affliction made him more susceptible to worry and fear. Look in verse number five of 1 Thessalonians 3. It says, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, when I could no longer stand it, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, <coughs> excuse me, and our labor would be in vain. Paul had laid it all out for the Thessalonians. He had poured himself into that church, and he had a great fear if something had happened that he, that that church would, would fall to the devil and to the tempter. I don't know about you, but anytime I suffer some sort of affliction, it brings worry and fear. I'm one of those people that if something's going on and I, it, it, I start, I start concerned, worrying and cons consuming thoughts about it. It's just over and over again. You play, you play conversations over in your mind. Do any of you guys do that? All right, okay, so, so I'm not the only one. And you'll play those conversations over in your, in your mind and you're, you're worried and constantly thinking about it. What could I do different? How could I act this way? You know, what sort of things can I do? But anytime we have affliction, it sometimes causes us worry and fear. In 2009, my wife and I and family, we, we had a house fire. And it, it was, there was a lot of good things to that, and I, I won't get into that because that's a whole other conversation that I could spend about 30 minutes on. But in the immediate aftermath of the house fire, we had lost so much. We had lost all our earthly possessions. We had lost uh, our, our cat. Um, and that's a whole other story, too, on why we lost a cat. I, I blame myself. 
All right, I'll, I'll, I'll stop and I'll tell that story real quick. So, so we, we had this brand new cat. It was probably about a month old, right? Seven months old. Okay, yeah, her mind. All right, we're having conflict here right now. So um, the cat was, it was an all-black cat, wonderful, sweet cat for the most part, until one day it was sitting on the back of the couch, and I am walking along, and this cat swats at me. I hadn't done anything. So I get into the cat's face like this. And I point and said, one day, I said, you're going to burn in hell. <laughs> no lie. It was, it was about a week. It was about a week later, the house caught on fire and the, on fire and the cat died. Um, so, <laughs> you know... Um, yeah, the, the people at the church I was serving, they thought it was a prophet. It was, it was really kind of, kind of interesting. But that house fire brought a lot of monumental changes in my life. But while we were going through it, there was a lot of worry and fear. We had lost everything. We had lost the cat. I, I didn't know where, where we were going to spend the night at the time. You know, where were we going to get clothes? The, the kids were uh, an emotional wreck. My wife and I were an emotional wreck. There's a lot of worry. There's a lot of fear. What's going to happen? Affliction in your life often brings worry and fear. And I, th- I think if you look at Scripture, you can see that Paul was very consumed with worry about this church. Um, Acts 18, 5 and 6, uh, Scripture says that Paul was pressed in the Spirit. The King James says he was pressed in the Spirit because he was so consumed with the thoughts of what was going on with this Thessalonian church. He had so much worry for this church. It says, Paul subdued missionary activities at Corinth before the return of Silas and Timothy seemed to indicate that Paul maybe have even suffered a little bit of depression because of the heavy burden and suspense of what was going on with that church. He loved this church so deeply. He poured his, his life into it. He wanted to see them grow as a church, and he was so consumed that they might fall to the tempter that, that it just drove him to worry, drove him to maybe some fear, maybe some depression. My friend, let me settle this for you right now. Your affliction in life doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. Doesn't mean that Satan has the victory, and it certainly doesn't mean that you have to worry or fear. Philippians says, be careful for nothing, or don't worry about anything. For by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. Romans Romans says that, um, it says, cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Our God does not want us to worry or fear. I know I'm, I'm preaching to myself here because as I go through conflict, as I go through affliction, I do nothing but worry and fear. It's easy to get behind the pulpit and to preach these things. It's another thing to actually live it out, isn't it? Second Peter 2.9 says, The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. If you are living out and sharing the gospel with others, you may have some affliction. You may have some struggles. You may have some trials, but there is no reason to worry or fear. Number four. Look at verse number six here in 1 Thessalonians 3. Paul's worry was placated by the encouragement from God's people. 
Verse number six says, but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. Timothy here has now returned from his mission. He has brought back a favorable report from the Thessalonians. Timothy told Paul that they are doing great. They had not fallen to the devil. They had not fallen to the tempter. They had stood fast. Isn't it a wonderful thing to get encouragement from God's people? I, it's always amazing when somebody comes along and says, hey, I'm praying for you, or hey, you, you're doing a great job. Hey, how can I help you in your ministry? What can I do, what can I do for you? Or uh, God really loves you. God wants what's best for you. Those words of encouragement mean so much to us. As Christians, we need to be ones that are willing to, to heap encouragement upon others. Scripture says, encourage one another and lift each other up. What a wonderful testimony and what a wonderful scripture for us to follow. I remember when I was a teenager, I was very worried about my own eternal salvation. Uh, I had been saved. Uh, I got saved when I was six years old in the Awana program. And, you know, when, I think any time a child gets saves, uh, saved, uh, as they get through their, their early teenage years, there's a lot of doubt and, and stuff like that. And I, I was no different. And I, had, well, I was going to a boys' sleepover. And we were with our teenage boys, and I was just struggling. I was like, Man, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know, um, you know, if I'm going to heaven. And my friend, Ray Mead, came along beside me, and we spent a couple hours just talking about the gospel. And his words of encouragement to me, even though he was a teenager as well, his words of encouragement to me meant the world to me. And I settled it that day that I knew for sure that I was going to heaven because I had trusted Christ alone for salvation. My friend, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, put your faith and trust in him alone. He's the one that saves you. It's not the works you're doing. It's not the, the sins you've done. It's Christ. Christ is the one that brings salvation. This week, I want to encourage you to encourage one another. If you see someone who needs the work of encouragement in their life, be that person of encouragement. I've been in ministry since 1997. I've seen how much good encouraging words can affect a pastor. Christians, encourage your pastor. You have a, a wonderful pastor in Pastor Josh. Give him words of encouragement. As a pastor, you often hear the complaints. You often hear when things are going wrong. It's very seldom uh, sad to say, but it's very seldom that you get the, the words of encouragement. Be an encouragement to Brother Josh. Be an encouragement to one another. You don't know what a difference your words can make in, in the lives of other people. William Arthur Ward says this. He says, flatter me, and I may not believe you. Criticize me, and I may not like you. Ignore me, and I may not forgive you. Encourage me, and I will not forget you. My friend, encourage one another. And then Paul's encouragement, number five, Paul's encouragement turned to joy. Look in verse number eight. So he's been encouraged by this good report. Verse number eight says, for now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. What a turnaround, isn't it? 
For now we live if you're standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before God. Here's the final result. Once encouraged, there was no fear. There was no worry. There was nothing but joy. Paul says, I can live now. It's amazing what can happen when when people can encourage one another. I can have joy knowing you haven't fallen to Satan. You haven't been sunk by affliction. You haven't been consumed by worry. You haven't fallen to the tempter. I can live. Charles Spurgeon says, Never is the servant of God so full of delight as when he sees the Holy Spirit is visiting the people, making them to know the Lord, and confirming them in that heavenly knowledge. On the other hand, if God does not bless the word of his servants, it's like death to them. There is nothing like an encouraging word. Christian, love hurts, and it takes risks. And some of us have such love for such temporal things. I encourage you this week, have your thoughts on Jesus Christ. Have your thoughts on him alone. Have your thoughts on the word of God. Let God's word consume you. Let your thoughts of Christ consume you so that that love can be borne out through sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul loved the church so much, he was willing to lay it all on the line to see the cause of Christ multiplied. Right now in Alberta, Alabama, there is a need for Christians to live out the gospel. Baldwin County is growing by leaps and bounds. I heard this week that there were 100 homes, uh, like uh, building permits for homes, 100 homes a day being written in Baldwin County. That is explosive growth. But you know what that means? As more people come to the county, That means there is more opportunity for us to live out the gospel, to share the gospel for those around us. This church is set to be a light for the gospel in this area. Realize what it takes, though. It may not all be happiness. There may be some conflict. You may have some struggles, but there's no reason to worry or fear. Encourage one another in the Lord. Speak encouragement to each other. Live out the gospel. I was glad to hear what Brother Josh said about uh, the church's focus has really been on proclaiming the gospel. There are opportunities beyond belief right now. You, you, have, uh, you guys have just recently gone to two services, which is fantastic. We got the, the Easter egg hunt in the park. We got the sunrise service. There's so much opportunity for us to live out the gospel realize there's a love that hurts. But God wants us to encourage one another and live out the gospel. So this week, I, wanna, I wanted to leave you with a few questions or thoughts. I want you to contemplate the various loves in your life. Where does your love for the gospel fit? How do you respond to affliction? Give your worry to God. And be the encourager God wants you to be. And then rejoice in seeing that wonderful work that God's going to do here. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast from The Point Church. If you would like more information about our church, or if you have any questions, you can find us online at tothepoint.church.